Today on the Recruitment Flex, guest co-host Leah Sobring joins us. Leah is actually the person that connected Surgeon Shelley. And we dive into these recruitment insights. What metrics do CEOs really want to see? You should keep that open for work banner. Who cares about the haters? Working remotely? Some say good luck getting promoted. And Zip and Indeed share their impressive Q1 numbers. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another week of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge, joined by my lovely co-host, Shelly. Shelly, I haven't talked to you in a week again. We said that last week. We rarely talk anymore. I'm still waiting for you to sell your company and just spend 100% (laughs) of your time uh, with me. Is that going to happen? Okay, it is a plan. You know I'm going to be your campaign manager, right? That is the deal. Yes. Sell the company and spend the rest of my life giving back to the the surge fund. Yeah. When I run and for people that didn't hear this from a previous episode in three years, I'm going to be running for city council and that's going to launch my political career. So for anyone that is looking to buy a really successful recruitment ad agency, (laughs) please contact Shelly Billinghurst. But Shelly, very excited because we have one of my favorite person in the whole world, one mm-hmm. of my favorite person in the industry, and I want you to introduce her. We have joining us today a third co-host, but she is someone also very special to me and someone I have had nothing but respect for, for all the things she's done in the recruitment world and also for our community here in Calgary. It is my pleasure to introduce the lovely, the talented Leah Sobring. Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You guys are going to make me tear up. <laughs> That's the plan. Oh, That's don't. The goal. Yeah. Oh, don't. <laughs> All right. But if anyone hasn't listened to previous episodes, we always talk about our origin story, like how did Shelly and Serge meet? And you're responsible for that because yes. you are the OG of the Serge and Shelly recruitment flex. Because I was a client mm-hmm. and I think you were so successful, you moved on elsewhere. Then Serge took over the account. So that's exactly what happened. A little bit different because Leah quit the company I was working with. Like oh, she right. quit me. <laughs> like How could I do quit that? Me. And as the director, I now had to step in last minute to make sure all her accounts were in good condition. Mm-hmm. So when I walked into your account, you just fired me. So let's let's just blame Leah for that happening. <laughs> But you are right. She is the main reason why we ever connected from the first day. So Leah, you are a big factor of the recruitment flex. Whether you know it or not, or whether you want that title or not, <laughs> Leah, there was some really big news. You announced on LinkedIn that you've left your job mm-hmm. and you are pulling up stakes and moving across the country. You know, we talk about having that time during COVID and lockdown to evaluate Mm -hmm. was really important to us. How did you come to this decision? Oh, thanks, Shelly. Definitely the pandemic influenced my decision. Mm -hmm. I always knew that I wanted to live somewhere with more land. I think of it as Leah phase two. I'm in my mid forties. I've had a blessed, amazing life thus far. And I was really looking at what do I want to do? I've got a big love of 
animals and wanting to foster more animals and have the space to do that. My partner made the move out here a few years ago. And I always said, I promise you we'll go back to the East Coast. Give me five years. Two years later, we're doing it. Leah is the person when I first moved to Calgary that gave me my first job. Eventually I went into recruitment in that company and then she actually referred me to Workopolis and I got hired, but that's when she quit not too long after I got promoted. <sighs> so pissed. Anyhow, that happened. But, <laughs> but then we actually connected again years after at Indeed where Leah has been for the last five years and she just quit. Even though you are on a hiatus from the recruitment industry for a couple of months, maybe forever, your knowledge is extremely important. So I, I do want to jump into our recruitment insights of the day. We talk about this in so many ways of what are the key metrics that we should be looking at when it comes to recruitment, like time to fill, time to hire, source of applicants, all that bullshit, which is important, but... There's an interesting article that talks about what CEOs really want to hear. What are the metrics that they want to leverage from HR and talent acquisition? And I'm going to go through a couple of them. The first one that I want to get your insights, Shelly, is revenue per employee. What's your overall take on that? Mm-hmm. I think it's a great idea. You can certainly understand why maybe not necessarily just the CEO, but a CFO would see this as the foundation of measurement because Anybody running a company knows that if you pay people what they're worth in terms of, say, you produce 10 of these products and I'm going to pay you exactly what that costs, well, you'll be out of business. The other thing is when you start hiring people that you understand what is the formula. It does sound really simple. If you're going to hire more people, you need the increase in revenue in order to sustain it. And I think where companies can get into a little bit of trouble is when they're anticipating winning business, because we see it all the time in, a, in the US market where they hire and then lay off thousands of people. What that says to me is nobody ever did the math. Yeah. And this happens in professional service and managed service all the time, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. like you get a contract, you need a certain amount of people to be able to fill that contract. I've had that challenge throughout my career, and it's one of the most difficult ones to be able to forecast. Mm -hmm. If we look at all these metrics, Shelley, and yeah. how talent acquisition and recruitment in HR have done such a bad job at building a business case, why we need more investment, why we need uh, more resources, this is a good place for any leader to take a look at what are the metrics that the executives need to be able to build that case to get more resources and dollars. The last time, Shelly, you said it's not our fault. Have you changed your thought process around that? If we group this all into HR metrics versus what is the metrics that talent acquisition need to own, that's where things separate, in my opinion, because there's HR metrics like can recruitment really have an impact on internal performance? Yes, if we're bringing in the right people, but usually those programs rest with talent management, learning and development, other HR departments. Of this list, Serge, the one that I think recruiters can most use and should be looking for is dollars of revenue lost for every day that position remains vacant. Because recruitment wants a more realistic chance of being able to fill this role. This is a key thing that we can use to leverage and get leaders to be more 
open-minded. Also, if they understand the dollar impact to leaving a position open, because when we start introducing metrics like productivity loss, recruitment has some ownership of how long it takes, but not all, right? Like we agree on that. Do we not? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So slow hiring process because they want to do five panel interviews over a course of seven or eight weeks. If we actually put some dollars to that in terms of what is the company losing? And and that does tie in nicely to a calculation of revenue per employee. If you know how much this position being vacant could also translate into lost revenue per employee. Yeah, I agree. I think that is the key metric out of this that everyone should be measuring. There's a couple of ways you can do it. You look at your overall budget, but then you look at your hiring velocity. How close are you getting to the days that you actually need the people in the seat is really important. Say you're hitting that 50% of the time. It means 50% of the time you're not hitting, Mm -hmm. which means that is lost revenue because you're not able to start their project on time. You're not able to win that business. If you increase your hiring budget, are you going to see an increase in your hiring velocity? Are you going to get closer to the day that you actually need people in the seat? That to me is a very compelling business case to go back to the business be like, hey, if we invested $40,000 more a year, we're going to hit 70% instead of 50%. There's a business case to be made around it. I agree. It doesn't always fall on talent acquisition, but at the end of the day, talent acquisition falls under HR. So we have some accountability in talent acquisition to go to our CHRO or chief people officer and making sure they have the correct data. I do want to move on. And this is kind of a fun topic. Every week, there's arguments on LinkedIn about everything, right? There's always arguments about are your resumes getting through the ATS bot. But a couple of hiring managers and recruiters have come out and say they've looked down upon people that have the open to work banners around their LinkedIn profile pictures. And it's become a big topic of conversation and very controversial. I'll tell you one thing as a recruiter, when I'm sourcing people and someone that fits the profile that I'm looking for, and I see open to work, I get excited because I know there's a higher chance that I'm going to get a response to my LinkedIn email. I am on the side of Yes, if you're a candidate, you're looking for a job, put that banner because most recruiters, that's a really good sign. It it means that we can actually have a conversation and uh, the chance of an actual response is way higher. I'll, I'll start with you, Leah. What's your thoughts on candidates having the open to work banners and do you think recruiters should look down upon it? Not at all. I I take real issue with that, actually. It's been around forever. A passive, you know, candidate is often looked at as a better candidate than an active candidate. And I've never agreed with that. Talent acquisition, it's like matchmaking. It's dating. Your Tinder profile, if you're open to marriage, great. Put that on there. Although I don't think that's what Tinder is about. Anyways, I do think the more transparent you are, the better it is. And exactly as you said, Serge, as a recruiter or a hiring manager, when you know that person is open and willing to connect, it just gives you that opportunity. You can find anybody on the internet. It's the job of the recruiter and the agencies and whatnot to then engage with that candidate and convince them. Why not start and make it easier on both sides? Open to hiring, open to work. Those are good badges to have. So you bring up a really good point because on the flip side, it is recruiters or hiring managers having their badge. I think the purple badge that says hiring. And I always thought that was more tacky 
Do you honestly think that people are going to come running towards you, waving their resume because, oh, you're hiring? That is not helpful. You know, unless you're doing something to really communicate what and why and why join us, why be here, that to me is more cringy than the open for work. There is an assumption, though, that anyone who has that badge on is currently unemployed. There's Mm -hmm. an assumption. They may or may not be. Like if you knew your company is making some changes, you are still currently employed, but looking. So I can see maybe there's some argument there, like it's probably not a good idea to open for work if you're currently working, unless you're working at Burger King and you'd rather be working at the keg or you'd rather be working at next level. I mean, the open for work banner, I Amy brought up a really good point in her YouTube show as well is who would find this offensive? Like I'm looking to hire, you want a job. And with the filtering in LinkedIn, you can filter for job families, right? Why is this not just a no brainer? Her best point was staffing agencies and career coaches. They have a vested interest in you finding value and getting them to help you. That would make sense. I guess consider the source is the moral of the story for this particular article. If people on LinkedIn are arguing, take a look at where they work and what they do if we're living and why they would disagree. I don't even know why it's an argument. If you want to put open for work, go ahead. It it helps Mm -hmm. recruiters. And to your point, Leah, as far as passive and active, part of the challenge that we have is mostly with hiring managers, not recruiters. Hiring managers want to hire people that are in jobs doing exactly the same job at a different mm-hmm. company. And they forget, why would someone switch? They, they have exactly the same job at a different company, same benefits, same salary, same responsibilities. Why would they want to take that risk of switching companies? Everyone is a active and passive candidate. If you're going to come to me and say, I'm going to pay you double what you make right now to come working over in my company to do the same thing. Yeah, I'm going to consider it. So Mm -hmm. one critical stat message sent to the candidates that have that banner get 35% better response rate. And it goes to our conversation a couple of weeks ago is automating your message, like sending in mails. Do they work? We know that it works with this group of individuals. So why not target your LinkedIn in-mail messages specifically to this group to get a better response rate? Seems like a no-brainer. It is right? a no-brainer. Yeah. All right. We have all worked remotely. Leah, I know you've worked remotely for the last, I don't know, 20 years. Shelly, you probably have worked remotely, what, the last 10 years? Since I started Higher Value in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been 100% remote. Yep. And I've been remote like on and off for, I don't know, 17, 18 years. This is not new to us. And we've talked about remote and coming into the office so many times, but I read an interesting article by a Dr. John Sullivan on ERE.net is actually one of my favorite writers. He always has interesting takes. And the mm-hmm. take that he has here that if you want to work remote, you got to be open that it's going to negatively affect your career growth in certain organizations. Mm-hmm. I think it's true. Let me just highlight some of the key things that he feels will hurt you. If you are closer and you're working in the same office, it's easier to ask for favors from other people. I get that. A lot of time, if you're working in the same office, you're in the same time zone. 
And I think we've all come across it. Like I've worked across the country in different time zones. Yeah, it, it makes it harder. It's not impossible. You're going to have a lot more informal interactions at work. If you're in the same office, you have more opportunities, relationship building. So going out for beers with your coworkers or after work drinks or whatever the case is. A lot of workers that work in the office itself have better opportunities for development. Uh, meaning that their manager is going to work closer with them or someone in the office. And they say here, most memorable communications are face-to-face. All valid points, but I look at it the other way. I'm like, no, fuck it. I don't care. I'm willing to sacrifice that and just put out really good quality work and no one cares I'm remote. And maybe this is just me where I'm at in my career. I don't give a fuck if you're not going to promote me because I'm not in the same office. So Shelly, I've said a lot. What's your take here? Are these good arguments? Is it something that people should consider before they go work fully remote? I mean, I reflect being in big corporate and you know, a lot of my clients are big corporate I think this is more about the culture. If you're in a company culture that will never accept, if I can't see you, I can't trust you, and I don't know if you're working. So I don't think that your decision to take advantage if the company was to offer you remote work, that's not going to change their culture. That's really what I took from Dr. Sullivan's article here was you need to really think about the company culture that you're in. If you're changing jobs That's a different story. But if your current employer and you know that they have to see you in order to, oh, yeah, maybe Serge would like to take that advanced course, or I'm going to nominate him to go on this conference because he always brings back such great ideas. That's more about the company's culture than it is about whether or not a worker can be more productive and still get promoted. If they have all of those characteristics, whether I'm face-to-face or building a relationship with somebody in another location, in another office, it doesn't change anything because I think nationwide companies have been around for a long time. And yet we can still develop relationships with employees in other locations. Part of this doesn't really wash with me. The jealousy of those who are being dragged, kicking and screaming back into the office. I I can see if they're allowing you because of the type of work you do, it can be done remotely. That can cause resentment. Although all his points are really valid and true. I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to the corporate culture that you're in. Leah, what do you think? I agree with that, Shelley. In in terms of the corporate culture, even when remote work wasn't common, where's the fairness in going for beers after work if you have childcare or elder care? There's so many things that when you bring yeah. it back to diversity and inclusion, if the corporate culture says you're going to get ahead, it reminds me of the, the Friends episode where Jennifer Aniston, she took up smoking so she could get closer to the boss. You're out on the smoke break and all of a sudden you're getting a promotion. So that needs to go away. And then in terms of on the relationship side, and again, the pandemic, sort of equalize things for a lot of us that were, you know, blessed enough to still have a job and work from home. But some of my closest relationships are with clients that I've had over the last two years and have never met in person. One, in fact, is going to come visit me out near Halifax in August, but we just formed such a bond over Zoom, really, and then phone calls and then text. Again, Dr. Sullivan, great points. I think it does come back to company culture, how good you are at building relationships, how invested you are in building relationships. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
I, I think Shelly, you nailed it. There's a couple of things that are, are making it really hard for people to be successful in companies that have been traditionally non-remote is the managers. We have a lot of shitty managers out there that can only manage by proximity, being in the same office and seeing the work they're doing. There's a lack of trust. There's a, a lack of focusing on outcomes and results instead of, hey, I'm putting in four hours and putting six hours and putting eight hours at my desk. So it means I'm working hard. I'll tell you, I've been sitting in office more than once in my career for a day, and I spent most of the day on Twitter or TikTok because I just didn't feel it. That's not that, true. Did it? You make never it? do that oh, at work. Yeah, yes. Oh no. Oh yes, it, it's happened, and it happens to people in the office or outside the office. So at the end of the day, yeah. if you can't manage outcomes, it's going to be a challenge for you, and obviously, you're going to favor the people that are next to you in the office. It's a management issue. We are going to see people work remotely or work in different locations because we have no choice as industries moving forward. The best talent wins. If you're limiting yourself to a pool of talent, which is around your office, like Jason was talking about last week, you're in a tough spot because you are not going to get the best talent and your competitors are. However you want to approach it, whatever mentality you want to have about working from home and remotely, the world is changing. Airbnb is a perfect example. Brunch had a great video of saying why they did it. And it's exactly that. It's going to be a war for talent. And if that's one of the things that can help you win that war and having the whole world to recruit compared to a little tiny spot, maybe in Calgary, Alberta or Halifax, Nova Scotia, you're screwing yourselves. But it's important to consider if I'm a 20 year old, I new to the world of work mm-hmm. and I have not proven myself in any, any other way. And the company culture that I'm going to is this. There is benefits of those people going into the office. There is definitely benefits. If they're looking to move up, they're looking to have an impact closer to the manager in a more traditional company. Yeah, you might need to go to the office to get that promotion. Is it right? No, but I think it's still reality. So the other element that I wanted to talk about is the job board world is just blowing up. And I remember in 2010, when I joined Workopolis with Leah, a lot of people would say to us, and Shelly, you were probably one of them saying job boards are dead or job boards are dying because LinkedIn had just come in place. No, no, just Workopolis was dying. (laughs) Carry on. Workopolis is still Canada's number two job board uh, right now, even five years after the acquisition. Uh, They still had a lot of weight back then, but job boards were dead. Leah, you remember this? Like everyone would tell us job boards were dead? Because LinkedIn had come out and LinkedIn is going to eat your lunch. Um, Be sure Shelly gave me some ribbing about that. Yeah. When she was my client. (laughs) Exactly. Now (laughs) she's changing her tune and saying it's just work but I'm pretty sure it was job boards or death. (laughs) We've seen a lot of surveys. We know that job seekers still see job boards as the number one place to go look for jobs. If we don't believe it, I think the numbers tell us the real tale. So there's two big job boards in the world, I would say, Shelly, like, Indeed and Zip are pretty much the most dominant. Would you agree? Seek in Australia, yes. But if we're looking at North America and... Oh, North America, for sure. Yeah. The way I look at it is revenue numbers. 
we can tell how well a company is doing by their numbers. I saw Zip's numbers and I fainted a little bit. Then I <laughs> got a little bit angry because I'm in the job board world. But then I'm like, it's great. From last year, first quarter to this year's first quarter, they increased 103% year over year. Isn't that like oh. insane how much growth? And we're not talking little numbers. They're projecting this year, 892 million in revenue, which is a massive increase. Impressive. Very impressive. Let's look at Indeed, even more impressive because they're so much bigger. Recruit, which owns Indeed, what they call their HR tech segment, which includes Indeed and Glassdoor. Year over year, Indeed and Glassdoor, and I'm going to make the assumption that it's mostly Indeed because Glassdoor fucking sucks, rose 80 0.4%. And that is around 64% if you measure it in US dollars. I'm going to go to you, Leah, because you just came out of that industry. You just came out of Indeed. Shocked by those numbers? Yeah, not shocked at all. And, and clearly, I'm hugely responsible for a lot of that number, right? So yeah, no, it's we've seen it. I mean, I mean, obviously, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a slowdown. Everybody shut down. You switched the type of conversations you were having. But Indeed rebounded really quickly within the pandemic and early days. It goes back to that, where have all the workers gone? Like it is absolutely a job seekers market. Companies need to compete. So they are spending more on platforms like Indeed and most likely LinkedIn and elsewhere because companies are not able to fill roles in all kinds of roles. I worked with lots of different um, industries and different clients. And so it could be call center frontline, it's in the insurance industry, banking, you take some of these industries too that were already having uh, sort of a, you know, attrition or retirement pre-pandemic. So you get early retirees. Sergio and I have talked about females in the workforce, how many have left or have chosen different types of jobs with more flexibility. That's a huge contributing factor. And Indeed has come out with some pretty cool products around the hiring platform and things like that, that automate the process a bit more hopefully help recruiters a bit more. There's been some pretty good adoption with some of the new products too. How much would you hear about Zip Recruiter when you're selling Indeed? Once in two years. So I'm not sure most of my clients were recruiting in Canada. I do think Zip might be a bit of a bigger player in the US. But for myself, I've had long standing relationships with most of my clients. So that could be part of it too, but really didn't come up much. And so I would ask Shelly because Shelly, clearly you work with um, all different partners in, in you know the branding and marketing world. If Zip came up much for you. So you're right. In Canada, certainly Western Canada, we're not seeing much of a foothold because I think if we go back to the origins, Zip's target market always was small to medium-sized business. We hear their ads on TV all the time, but if you really listen to that ad, they're talking about small companies. Yeah. Construction mm-hmm. company needs to hire three people. Is Zip really well positioned for the enterprise market, which is what I know Indeed does. That is why they continue to dominate. And you're right. Indeed has come out with some absolutely wonderful products. What I love is that it's constantly changing. Like even the simple sponsored job moving to the Indeed hiring platform, it's night and day. And so in Canada, we still have access to that for free, for example. Zip has a place in the market, but you need to understand where they do well. 
In the US, I've got lots of experience with both Indeed and Zip. And there's certain parts of the US where they're absolutely eating Indeed's lunch. And Indeed just sees them as an annoying, like little sister or something, right? Like, oh, go away. <laughs> but I'm telling you, there are some states in the US where ZipRecruiter is killing it. They're doing very well. 10x the results that you would get on Indeed. Well, the revenue numbers are, are showing it. So Zip is having inroads in that SMB market. There's just not as many SMBs in Canada too, which is a barrier of entry and really gaining a strong foothold in the Canadian market. SMB <laughs> makes up the majority of our economy here. Yes, but you look at the, the volume. The platform itself, it's so dead simple. Yes. Right? Like it is just so simple. That's what I think they've done very well, that anyone... You don't have to be a recruiter to figure out how to work their platform. It's very clear in their advertising that they don't care about recruiters. They're highly focused on the 100%. small, medium business owner. It's actually quite insulting for recruiters when you listen to their commercials <laughs> because it's like, you're having trouble hiring? Well, sign on to Zip Recruiter and we're going to send you a bunch of candidates. That's not really happening, but they are doing a good job of selling to a market that doesn't know better. So that's part of where the market share has come on their end. Mm -hmm. For Indeed, like Indeed to me has hit their peak. Like we are in the last year of Indeed's dominance and we're going to start seeing the downslide of Indeed. And the biggest reason is because Leah left. So that's going to be one. Right. Clearly, yes. <laughs> uh, but we've seen this cycle. We've seen this cycle so many times and this industry is so ripe for a new player to take over and, and really start seeing results because everyone's looking for an alternative to Indeed. I know in the Canadian market, they're the evil that you need to do business with because you don't have any choice. But on that note, I'm not going to spend too much time bashing indeed. And so you are moving tomorrow, Leah. Is there like a moving truck that is going? And for people that don't realize, Canada mm -hmm. is the second biggest country in the world. Like to move landmass. Yeah. Land mass, yeah, exactly. Yeah. To drive from Calgary to Halifax, and I've done mm -hmm. it. We are talking five days of pure driving. Do you have a moving truck? How is it going to happen? That already happened. So I had packers last week come in, pack everything up, except for the cats and a chair and a mattress. And uh, movers came the next day. I was just waiting for April to get back from her last day up north. She is back now. We are madly trying to finish off the little things. And then, uh, yeah, going to go get the trailer, pack the cats into it, and then we'll take off tomorrow morning. In five days, you're right. So we decided to do it in six so that we could actually spend some of the evenings enjoying the campsites. First stop, Indian Head. Second after that, three stops in Ontario, one in Quebec, one in your home province, New Brunswick. And then June 1st, we take possession of our new property. And so we plan to arrive in the wee hours that morning. Yes, it's a fun ride. Shelly, have you ever done that ride across Canada? No, I have not. Not driving, no. But I certainly have traveled to every province across Canada, except PEI and Nova mm. Scotia. I've not been to Nova Scotia. Well, now you have a reason, Shelly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And apparently you're Canadian AF. According to my previous director, it was wonderful and done the drive as well. So if you do the cross-country drive, you're Canadian as fuck, if I can say that. <laughs> yeah, and I think can. I can because I heard search earlier. 
<laughs> Perfect. Leah, what we're going to do is when you're ready to announce your new role, and I'm going to make the assumption it's in the recruitment industry, would love to have you come back on. Leah, people can find you on LinkedIn. Leah Sobering, is that the best way to people to find you? Yes, it is. Perfect. Thank you oh. for coming. And Shelly, always a pleasure. Thank you. Happy trails, Leah. You too. Thanks, Shelly. We'll talk soon. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.